0: On today's episode of The Good Word with Goodwill, Amin El Hassan joins us to talk about buyers and sellers headed into the trade dead season and Zion Williamson's diet and the end of the Golden State Dynasty. All that and much more on today's episode of The Good Word. Good Word with Goodwill on Yahoo Sports, Ball Don't Lie. And here is Vince Goodwill. Welcome to the Good Word, y'all. My name is Vincent Goodwill, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. We're part of the Ball Don't Lie network. Get us wherever you get your podcast. We are also on YouTube. And if you see us on YouTube, you see the gentleman sitting next to me or on the other side of the screen. The hate hard king himself. He was the first two time guest on the Good Word with Goodwill podcast. I bet you didn't know that. I mean, and now he's the first three time guest on this podcast. I mean, El Hassan was a member of the Suns front office for uh, seven years, and then he went to ESPN, and now he's a member of the Dan Lebertard, like shipping co-
1: container. As, as oh, I'm they, not in the shipping container. Oh, I'm you're not, not in the shipping, the shipping container. I don't you're, produce you're, that show, man. <laughs> Chimic Dane is just the producers. I ain't I'm not a producer. <laughs> hey, he's a part of the Dan Lebitard and Friends Network. There and he's is. also uh, gets
0: gets daily thoughts on the Eyeball podcast with Charlotte Wilder. And, of course, uh, his Cinephobe podcast as well, if you like movies. Amin L. Hassan. Amin, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you
1: doing, bro? I'm doing good. I just have one uh, piece of feedback for you on your intro. You said, I'm Vincent Goodwill's senior writer on Yahoo, but you said it so fast. I thought you said Vincent Goodwill Sr. And I said, damn, I have been gone for a while. This man had a whole son and everything. (laughs) Well, funny thing, my daddy's name is that. So
0: I will never be Vincent Uh, Goodwill Sr. Even if I do have a kid somewhere out here. Amin is here, of course, to join us because December 15th just passed, which means a whole bunch of NBA players are now able to be traded. And I got like a list of teams that I want to get to and I want to hear Amin's thoughts on whether they should be buyers, sellers, you know, and I'm very curious about that. But before we begin, because Ameen has so much experience in Phoenix, I feel like that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal, who had a back issue... Yep. And missed a bunch of games in November, missed a bunch of games in December. He only played three games in November, three in December. He comes out against the Knicks. Dante DiVincenzo runs under his leg. Boom. Mm -hmm. Ankle out. What? what, First possession of the game. So now he's going to be out. It seems like at least three weeks. I
1: mean, is he going to play three games in January? Uh, I mean, look, it's I feel bad for him because it's not none of this is his fault. Right. This is when you talk about the, the, the back injury in particular, I've had that same condition and it's crazy. The amount of work you have to put in just to feel semi kind of operative and then to do all that work, you know, away from the team by yourself and the corrective exercises and all the little different things. And you get back on the floor and literally on the first possession because of a crazy closeout, you, you step on someone's foot and now you're out for a different reason, but all these things are conjoined, right? You are compromised because of, you know, your certain injuries and it just, you got to go back to a rehab process and you know, he's already been out for so long during the season at this point, it, to me, the concern goes beyond physically. How is he? To mentally, how is he? Because right? that's t- it's a tough thing to be hurt yep. and almost come and come back and literally immediately after you come back, you get hurt again. It, it's tough. It reminds me of Clay Thompson. Obviously, not to the extent of devastating injury, but Clay tore his ACL and was like okay, I'm about to come back, and then he ruptured his Achilles, and and that's right. You know that that's it's. We saw the impact on that. I think mentally, was devastating beyond the physical recovery.
0: Yeah, and that that experiment won't work. Like, the, you know, some teams can sustain an injury to a star-level player. The Phoenix Suns are the one team who cannot sustain an injury to Devin Booker or Kevin Durant or Bradley Beal, and Brad is clearly the third person there. But they can't sustain an injury to him and this thing work because behind them you just got a bunch of veteran minimum guys and guys that whose success will be based off the attention that KD and Devin and Brad command. None of those guys are equipped or built to be a third option. Like this or, can't work. And I don't know I if mean, it, it, it can it can't work anyway, but it can't work if one
1: of those guys isn't healthy. Yeah, I mean it goes beyond that. I mean, first of all, when you talk forget third option, many of their rotation guys are would be eighth, ninth, or tenth men right, on other yeah. teams. The problem is their entire bench is eighth, ninth, and tenth men. It's not, not six, a six man here or a seven man there or, or per, perhaps a starter somewhere. These are all kind of fringe rotation type players who are getting major minutes on a nightly basis. The other thing is is what Brad brings to the table, because remember, this team really doesn't have a pure point guard. I know they, they just picked up Theo Maladon on waivers, but in terms of a guy who goes out there and sets people up, Right now it's Devin Booker. And I always love making this distinction. Can and should. Can Devin Booker play a point guard-esque role? Very well, yes. Should he? Is that the best use of his abilities full-time? Probably not. And Brad was supposed to be another guy who can do that so that we can all kind of, oh, sometimes I'm a playmaker, sometimes I'm a play terminator, and we're all kind of fluid through this. But now it's turned into nah. It's kind of book. He's got to do all of this, and not having Brad Beal out there hurts their ability to be more fluid like that. Yeah, it does,
0: and that's a great point. That you've got a bunch of guys that you're asking to play above their what they should be on any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're asking certain guys to step into roles that they are unqu- un not unqualified for, but under Qualified for it. like guys who yet. can underqualify for it. They can make an impact. They can play above their heads, but you're not. You shouldn't be asking them to do that through the meat of the season. So, I mean, you are familiar with Phoenix. You are also super familiar with the Miami Heat because of the time that you spend down there. Mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo is out. Tyler Hero is out. They're both scheduled to come back mm-hmm. actually today against today the Minnesota, against Minnesota. Timberwolves, mm-hmm. right? Jimmy Butler hit the game winner against the Chicago Bulls over the weekend. I bet you Jimmy Butler, there was was no happier man on earth than Jimmy Butler walking down Kobe White, hitting that step-back game winner against his old team. But I look at the heat. Uh What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to
1: say Jason Jackson told me this yesterday. He said when they lost to the Knicks in the in-season tournament a few weeks ago, that was a game where they led big and the Knicks made this big comeback and then Jimmy had... An opportunity to win the game on a three, and he missed the three. He told uh, allegedly he told Jason Jackson that ain't going to happen again. The next time I'm in that situation, I'm taking that shot and I'm making that shot. And so, fast forward to Saturday night, he did it. And I guess I don't know who on the internet or who maybe at the at the league office was quick with it, but someone actually made spliced the quote with the shot. And it was like, yeah, that was the next opportunity he had. He took it and he made it. That's that's, Jimmy Butler
0: never forgets. I'll just tell you that. I mean, he never forgets. He never forgets an opportunity to stick it in your face. And he certainly will never forget an opportunity to stick it in the faces of the Chicago Bulls or Minnesota Timberwolves or Philadelphia 76ers. He (laughs) lives for those moments. So with the Heat, I mean, they are mid at everything. Middle in the road. Offensive Mm -hmm. efficiency, middle of the road defensive efficiency. And they are literally, not to get too nerdy here, but they are $28,000 below the tax line. Yes. And you have Kyle Lowry making $29.6 million. I would be venturing to guarantee they're going to move him, right? Last year of his contract. Yes. 10-4-4, 10, 4, and 4. You know what I mean? Like he gives yeah. you some veteran stuff, but for 30 million dollars, you're going to need more, especially in this Eastern Conference. What are they what do you think they should be looking to go after? Who, if if you could pinpoint a player, I'm not sure if you can, right. or maybe the profile of a player that you think the Miami Heat should be going to look after if they have Kyle Lowry in his expiring contract to dangle out there?
1: So there's a couple of things going on. I think one, they would point to we haven't been healthy. You mentioned Bam has been out with that hip injury for a while. Uh, Hero has been out for even longer than that. Uh, they've yep. also, <clears> Haywood <throat> Highsmith has also been out, and he's been kind of a, a very important rotate. I mean, he was starting at the beginning of the year for them. Caleb Martin missed the beginning of the year. He's come back, and now he's starting to get back into form. So they're going to say, look, man, we are not. We don't even know what we have. And And to that point, they started the season terribly offensively. The fact that they've reached this point here where they are middle of the road offensively actually represents a large boost over the last month or so. Now, the problem becomes, you're right, Kyle Lowry for $30 million, nobody wants that. But it's not like he's a non-contributor for them. He's one of their better three-point shooters. Uh, he does and He is a, a good uh, locker room leader, an on-court leader. You can see him instructing Hawkins and and some of the other younger guys where to be, where to go. You know, the the Heat play a lot of young, inexperienced players. Jamal Cain, Orlando Robinson. Again, a lot of that is by necessity uh, because of the injuries. But the reality is this is a team that isn't afraid to rely on non-brand-name players. And I think part of that is having someone like Kyle who can Mm -hmm. be Helpful in a way that is like not Jimmy Butler levels. And what I mean by right. that is, Vidi, you know, Jimmy knows one way, and it's and that's the rod, right? And right, right, right. Kyle, sometimes a rod, sometimes a carrot, but you need that. You need someone who can throw that change up. You can't have a locker room just full of assholes all the time. Right. Having said that, if there's an opportunity to get yourself some breathing room under the tax threshold, for sure, but also, to upgrade your uh your team. And and for me, I, I would say that this team defensively is fine. I know the numbers are they're 13th or 14th or whatever right now. They're fine defensively. They execute, they're well coached, they have personnel that can defend. To me, the offense is always going to be the question. Yeah. Uh, even as, you know, we've got two guys coming back who are pretty integral to that offense. This team, other than Jimmy Butler, there's not really a reliable I can get you 25 every single night kind of guy. And, and even Jimmy, Jimmy picks and chooses when he wants to do that. So for me, right. the profile of a picture of a player is, is going to be someone who can be an offensive, can get it outside the system because mm-hmm. Samoa's got a great offense, but it's like at some point, every team needs a guy that just says, "fuck it. Like, I, I know what you called. I'm going to do this. And other than Jimmy, I don't think they really have Like, I mean, Tyler Hero, maybe, but I, I think someone who's got an ability to get to the free throw line and slash or get a, a short fire bucket, that's a that's a priority. Now, once you say that, the names on the list we get, become very interesting, but I don't know if Kyle Lowry alone is enough to make that happen. I think you then start talking about adding trade assets to make that happen. Mm-hmm. If you do that, does that preclude you from other bigger deals down the line? You mean a bigger deal like Donovan Mitchell? Is that what you're trying to, you know, is that is that what like, you're trying to? Like Donovan Mitchell, like maybe another player from the Central Division whose name starts with a D, who came from a Western Conference Northwest Division team recently, who may or may not be having the time of his life playing for the team he's played for right now. I don't know. Mm. You don't know. These things change very quickly. These things They're, happen very they, quickly. They
0: do change very quickly. That is an interesting... Uh, that's an interesting thing you brought up because that team was not on said list, okay? And we, and we don't necessarily have to do that. But but the thing you brought up was was critical. For those who don't know, the Heat are the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. They're shooting 39% from three, which means you've got a lot of dudes who have the green light, you had a lot of dudes hitting a lot of shots, which also means you can afford to let one go if, mm-hmm. if it comes to it. If you need to package Kyle Lowry with someone else, you have the depth and you have, you know, he We make fun of it and they, or people make fun of it and everything else. But they've shown that they know how to identify and develop players who will fit in said program while also making them attractive enough for another team to believe, hey, if we need to We can go and get said player. Now, another team that I think is really interesting, is maybe not as sexy a meme, is a team that's slowly knocking on the door in the Western Conference. Like, and you look at the Western Conference standings, it looks like NBA Live, like it looks like an NBA live game. Like one of those games where you simulate for 20 years down the line and none of the teams look familiar because it's not the Lakers at the top and it's not Golden State, and it's not the the brand names that we've expected. The Sacramento Kings. Won 50 games last year and got knocked down the first round. Their three best players are De'Aaron Fox, Domus Sabonis, Mm -hmm. and Keegan Murray. They share the ball. They shoot a lot of threes. I think they should be looking to upgrade. I think they should be calling the Chicago Bulls and saying, Zach Levine, we need a guy that can go get us a bucket. We know you're making 40, 43, 46, 49. You're on that Supermax contract. Going, to, going into 26-27, but if we're going to take the next step in the Western Conference, that's a team we should be calling. Am I wrong in thinking that Sacramento should be big-time buyers here? Because I don't know, based off of – remember how Golden State played Sabonis basically out yeah. of his effectiveness in the first round of playoffs last year, and you could withstand De'Aaron Fox doing what De'Aaron Fox did? That's the same formula teams are going to use no matter what team they going against in the playoffs this year unless they have personnel
1: changes. Yeah, I think I think mean, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that's not just Golden State, that's Draymond Green, who for whatever jokes and stuff that people want to make, the guy's still a elite, 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 top 0.1% defender in basketball. And so we've seen him do that and stymie other <clears throat> great offensive bigs. I've seen him do to Anthony Davis, just, like, just completely take him out of his element because he knows every trick in the book and he's playing on all of your tendencies. And at the same time, Sabonis, I know he had some playoff experience, but I mean, this is a different animal. It's a different right, beast right. coming in as a three seed or, or or whatever than coming in as an eight seed yeah. and just showing good face in Indiana. So I think that you got to point that out. Uh, they also lost in seven games. So... That's an and at the time, Steph Curry had a historic game seven performance. Um, so th- there are some elements there where I'm like, I don't know if I would say if I'm Sacramento. Oh, this clearly ain't working, right? Um, the other part of that also is I think their off season shows you that they're they like what they have and they're willing yep. to wait on that development rather than say we gotta we gotta boost this. Having said that, having another guy who could do that. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I think that could help them. Zach Levine, though, brings a completely different kind of complication when you look at his contract, okay. the amount of money owed, the amount of years owed. That kind of flies in the face of their gradual buildup of not only this roster but also this payroll. It would boost them into a level and a zone that I think indicates a readiness that I don't know they even think they have right now to compete for a championship. Now, that makes sense. That makes sense because De'Aaron Fox turned down his extension,
0: $100 million extension, because if he makes All-NBA this year, he will be eligible mm-hmm. for something far greater than that. I'm, I don't know the exact numbers, but it, it's financially feasible for him to turn down said extension wait, and see how this season plays out. Another team that I think Amin will love to talk about, y'all, Is a place that I'm getting on a plane to go in the next couple hours. I am going to New Orleans. I am going to see the battle of the what could have been, right? John Uh Morant, unless he gets suspended in the next few hours. John Morant and Zion Williamson, right? The Pelicans, they are $4 million over the tax bill. This is in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. okay? They're what, 15 and 11. They're right around like that that middle pack there above the playing line in the Western conference. But because you've got Zion there, like this, this team always feels like they're going to underachieve to a certain degree. Brandon Ingram is an easy sort, you know, carrot sort of throw out there because his contract is up after next year. And because they're $4 million over the tax line and they're in New Orleans, I would look at them and say, Hey, are y'all trying to get under that tax line? because New Orleans does not seem like the type of market that would seem to be one of the 10, because there's 10 teams that are above the tax line. New Orleans mm-hmm. is one of those teams that's like, eh, y'all?
1: I mean, look, yes, that, I, that's they're not a market that can withstand an extended amount of time in the luxury tax. Again, this is a team that, it's always interesting. The Pelicans are the kind of team, I call them like, uh, like Florida basketball, right? Or like Texas basketball. There's some schools where like, this is a football school. And if the basketball team does well, then yay, right? (laughs) Like, your job is to just not embarrass us. Florida State basketball, uh, like I said, Duke football. uh, You know, there's some places where it's just like, you know, you understand you're standing as a sport. You are the second sport. Right. Uh, the Raptors, believe it or not, are like that because it's all about the Maple Leafs. The Maple yeah. Leafs are the money maker, And then the Raptors just don't embarrass us, right? I'll give you a little money here and there, but I can't be like, what the hell? How much did we spend on Raptors? Like, so the Pelicans are the same way, except Toronto is in a megapolis market that can withstand, can draw millions and millions of dollars from surrounding places. New Orleans, not so much. A very small market. Uh Limited amount of businesses, Fortune 500 businesses based out of there. So, corporate sponsorship, all the things that you need to kind of supplement perhaps a heftier bill. New Orleans is the type of place that, look, we'll pay a luxury tax if you're telling us we're in the mix for a championship. Now, again, they'll go back and say CJ McCullough missed a bunch of time. Larry Nance Jr. is one of their best bigs off the benches, missed a bunch of time. So, they haven't quite put it all together, but. But this whole thing was predicated on Zion seeing the light. Now, after a crazy summer of all types of craziness, he's going to take this thing seriously. He had his aha wake-up moment. And I'm watching him, and I'm like, I don't know if he woke up yet. (laughs) I think he's kind of some recidivism is happening there vis-a-vis diet and conditioning. And this was before that report came out. This is before mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith went on his, <laughs> on his soliloquy <laughs> where he said he could see his gut at the free throw line, which, oh man. <laughs> that, that is wild. We just don't like fat people. Like, can we just, like, what's that? We just don't like fat people. No, I don't, that, no that has nothing to do with it. Fat people, oh, love fat, love uh, all people. I'm not saying you, I'm saying we as a We as a society, yes. As a society, society, yes. 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 Fat athlete, that's the one we have a problem with. You work out for a living. You have people either in your employ or employed by the team telling you, don't eat this, eat that, don't eat, you know what? I'll make it for you. Here, eat it. It's not even like, hey, stay away from it. It's like, don't even, I'm taking a guesswork workout. I'm making you your meals. At some point, because this isn't college or high school, there's no curfews, there's no lights out. These are grown men. You do whatever the hell you want. Like the real world. Yeah, I can do whatever the hell I want, but then there are consequences. There are consequences to my actions. And for him, I don't know if he's understanding the consequences. Vinny, when I watch him play, he doesn't have the same explosion he had two or three years ago. No. This isn't a 30-year-old we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Right? This this is a guy who's, well, he was 19 when he came out in 2019. So he's 24, 23 now? Yep, 24, 24. You you can't have started to lose your pop before your prime. 24? Yeah. And, and again, all of these things are related. And when you live a life of denial, man, that ain't had nothing to do with that. It was because of this. It was because oh, I. Oh, he's like, 23. My bad. He's 23. He's 23. But your, that, your point. Even younger. right? Even younger. Right. You live a life of denial and then you have people around you who are clearly enabling it. And in some ways, I'm like, we're doing you a favor, bro, by, sh- by shaming you. We're doing you a favor by shaming you because imagine if that didn't exist. Imagine if that, the public being a pariah for being fat didn't exist for him. He go to town. He go to town. And the only reason why we go so hard on him, I'm convinced of this is because we all know that fucker's good, man. He's a great player. He is hall of fame caliber. If he can stay healthy and not, continue to de- deteriorate he's a great player don't throw it away for 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 soda and and and, and fried food and like just the dumbest almost like uh, rather you have a drug problem than than this <laughs> don't say like, that come on <laughs> you can't oh get my. rid like a drug problem is much harder to get rid of sure but that's then i could understand it then i could understand it. it's like ah oh, damn yeah, man, like it's it's messed up and the lifestyle and these things get available to you, and then it's hard to shake after. I can understand that. You telling me you go to a restaurant, you can't just water. I'm drinking water tonight, guys. That uh, right. imagine that, Vinny. Imagine being in agony over like, oh, uh, only water. Just yes. <laughs> hell, you can put a little lemon in. Oh, it's got no flavor. To, like imagine the thing that you drink to quench your thirst has to have flavor to it. That's have some some tang, some sugar to it. It's it's, it's it's unnecessary, man. It's the silliest way to blow a golden opportunity. Yeah, and I think
0: if you get to the point where Shack and Barkley are coming at you on national TV on the league's marquee broadcast, where they know it's their job to promote it, everything about basketball, and they turn it into a PSA about you and your lifestyle because they feel like you're throwing your career away. To get Shaq and Chuck on the same thing, on the same page, considering the fact that those are the two two players who know what it's like to struggle with weight and know there what it's like are. to get themselves That's right. Why. That's
1: that why. That says a lot. That's why. It's different when it's me, when it's Stephen A. Smith, when it's you. We're not athletes. Right. But more importantly, we're not people who deal, who like legit, like, I, every little calorie I take might explode on me in a way that some other people burn. Like, Jack and Chuck are two guys who had the weight issues who were elite, elite, elite Hall of Fame best ever players. So they're talking from a place of experience. You don't want to listen to me? You You don't like my jokes? That's fine, man. But them two, you got to listen to because they know, Mm -hmm. they know what this looks like. They know the temptations. They know what's around, what's swirling around them. And like that, that to me is, that's the, should be the most credible sources Mm -hmm. of criticism to him. You don't have to listen to any of us. You can can tune the internet out. You can tune out all the podcasts, all the talking heads. You can't tune them out. Because they know right. where you've been. And they've been right. to the places that you want to be. You want to be an MVP. You want to be a champion. You want to be a Hall of Famer. You want to be a top 100 when they have that list. Like They're going to be on all of those, right? You've got to figure out how to avoid some of the pitfalls that they didn't. But also, avoid the pitfalls that they did avoid. Because if you remember, look at 93 Chuck. He didn't look fat. <laughs> Look no. at 2,000 sack. He didn't look fat. No. Right? Like, they had their moments when it was like, no, nah, I'm doing this, and you're going to witness what it looks like when I'm on top of my diet. And we're waiting to see that for Zion. Yeah,
0: we're waiting to see that from Zion. And I don't know if, I don't know if we're actually going to necessarily get there. Like, you I, I feel kind of sad in a way. Like I said, going to New Orleans to, to see Ja and to see Zion – the difference in how we talk about both of those players now compared to when they came into the league. Mm-hmm. I won't say sad. Sad isn't the word. It is sad. It's just it is sad.
1: It is sad. It is. Sad. It's not, disappointing is like, yeah, oh, you guys should know better. But at some point, it evolves beyond disappointment, and it turns into, damn, what happened, man? Right. Like, it's not even like you need to do better. It's what happened? Y'all right. had it in the palm of your hands. We're looking at an era of unprecedented international dominance at the highest level. They, Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis just going to be passing, and Luka, just passing this thing around. It's our league. It's our league. And these two guys who came in the same draft class were supposed to be like the great American hopes. They're going to be the ones battling opposite. And obviously they have history together growing up in the same part of the world. And so they come into the league together and both guys weren't big AAU guys, right? Like everyone else. These are guys came from humble right. beginnings, basketball wise. And now they're going to be the ones that are going to carry right. this thing. And instead we got one guy who doesn't know how to turn off Instagram live another guy who doesn't know how to turn down thirds, right? It, it, it's crazy. It's It's insane. And I think, I hope what, the lesson learned not only by them, but by everybody. This game doesn't stop for anybody, dude. No, Nobody. It, it moves on. We moved on off of magic and bird early retirements for both of them. We moved off of Michael retiring twice or three times. I guess we moved on off of uh shack getting old and fat and hurt all the time. One day we'll move off of LeBron and there'll be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I like. I was talking about this yesterday with Jason Jackson on NBA Radio. When you think about John Morant and you think about being away for 25 games. Yes. Oh, I love playing basketball and I haven't been able to do that. Sure, that hurts. Yes. Oh my God, they took 25 games worth of salary. That hurts. Sure. You know what I think hurts more than anything for him? Is turning on the TV during these 25 games. And other than Memphis mm. Grizzlies games, Mm, nobody said about him. We didn't care anymore. What did we do? Ooh, Tyrese Halliburton. Ooh, that's my new favorite small market point guard. Right, right. That right. happened quick as for Ja. Ja went from, you should be on MVP ballots, to, oh, the Tyrese Halliburton dude, he's the next one. That happened like that. And they didn't even say Tyrese Halliburton would draw ja out. Was, we don't even remember you, bro. And I don't say that to be mean or disparaging or disrespectful. God knows I love his game. I think he's a, a great player and a great talent, but I'm illustrating. The game don't stop for nobody, man. We keep this thing moving at all times. And so even when you feel like I've reached a place, my, my spot is, is reserved. They're not going to give my mm-hmm. spot away. Yes, they will. They'll give your spot too because the game can't stop. In the words of the late great Nate Dogg, "You can catch the bus if you're running, but the game <laughs> don't wait. The game don't wait. No, it look. Think about,
0: and this is a slight detour. Think about where we were with Ja a year ago, like literally 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Kyrie was coming off of the anti-Semitic stuff, mm-hmm. and his Nike contract was ending, and Nike was putting all their resources into Ja. Ja was taking Kyrie Irving's place." Mm -hmm. as the in the marketplace and in marketing as the guy that we're going to put in front of all these 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds. Like this is the relatable player. That's not the giant. That's not. This Mm -hmm. is a guy that you can feel like that that shoe symbolizes something that is is more tangible. You know what I mean? As opposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, LeBron, who just feels like a superhuman in that way. Yeah, that was just 12 months ago. Then shotgun willies happens. Then the playoffs happen. Everything else, you know, the breathing exercises, all those other type, all that stuff happens. And now we're finally just getting back to, oh, John Moran's coming back. Oh, I'm curious. Let's let's see what he does. But you're almost holding your breath. I mean, to see what happens
1: next. You're not I'm, saying I'm, No, ahead, I, I was just I was gonna say, I'm hoping that all of this has shown him his basketball mortality, has shown him, mm. oh man. It, 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 it turned on me real quick and the money, is, the money is guaranteed so you got your money but that's not what I'm right. talking about. I'm talking about how quick the game just moves off of you. You went from the it girl to like you're not even invited to the party no more. right? You're trying to sneak in through the back patio door and I'm hoping that kind of experience shifts him because whether it's Ja whether it's Zion, whether it's even old graybeard Raymond Green all three of them, in the issues that they've gone through, the one constant, the one consistent, no contrition. Mm. Up until the big moment, right? Mm-hmm. For Ja, the big moment's happened. We'll see how it goes from here. For Draymond, his big moment is happening right now. We'll see where it goes from here. For Zion, I don't know if that his big moment has happened yet. But no, at every stage, they've got an answer. They've got an excuse. There's none of it that's like, man, I got to do better. I got to do, I, I'm messing this thing up. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There's no point of that. It's all, well, da, 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 and it's not, no, and, and you know, I, I was under a lot of stress. I'm like, no, 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 dude, don't just say own that it. for the therapist, all right? Yeah, just you own got it. Just to own it Own it and accept it. I, it's me. It's my fault. And without that, you're going to keep having this kind of recidivism, this, this returning back to, same mistakes same issues same because you never really fully embrace like hey I kind of I'm kind of messing up nothing problem might be too strong of a word I have a problem but like right I'm having
0: issues with this right no it's funny because we think about like you said all three of those guys are just at different stages different inflection points of their career but like you said they're almost at crossroads Draymond's at an earlier crossroad those guys are at younger crossroads, but they're all equally at defined crossroads. Mm-hmm. I mean, a franchise, I think, that is at a crossroads, a quiet crossroads, is the Atlanta Hawks. Okay? Now, we don't think of the Atlanta Hawks. Like, nobody thinks of the Atlanta Hawks. I know people who ain't been who ain't been fans of the Atlanta Hawks since they traded Dominique Wilkins. That was damn near yes. 30 years ago. Okay? Yes. All right? So, uh, like, I just think the way that they've done things has been messy. Over the past maybe year, year and a half, maybe well, I guess mm-hmm. even longer than that, right? Longer than that, longer mm-hmm. than that. Past several years, it's been very messy, right? And now you've got Quinn Snyder as a coach. Remember who they brought in midseason? Something that mm-hmm. never, never happens. You never bring in Rarely. a new coach. In mid-season, like you get one chance to make a first impression and they didn't decide to wait until the end of the season. They decided we're going to do this right now we fire Nick McMillan in the middle right. of the year. Right. All right, cool. See how, that, see how that's worked out. They're not a good team. Jalen Johnson, I like him, but he's hurt right he's now. Hurt. You get DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. I know some people around the league who said back in 2021 when the Hawks went on their run to the Eastern Conference Finals you know, the Philly meltdown, it was the pandemic, it was all this stuff. They said, trade Trey Young right now. Because mm-hmm. where are you going to go with him? You're not going to go anywhere with him because he doesn't play defense. He dominates the ball, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All that stuff has come to fruition now. He's on his Supermax deal. This team ain't good. If you're Atlanta, I mean, are you trying to trade Trey Young or are you trying to? Maneuver the pieces so that you can maximize whatever you can out of him. Because I don't know if he's not your number one guy. I mean, I don't know what
1: role he plays on an NBA team. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack. I would say, first of all, I don't think he can be your number one guy. I would love to see him with a dominant big. Because I think he could develop a great two-man chemistry with a dominant big. But then this goes back to something else. I had a uh, conversation with someone, a league source, as I like to call them. You don't know where there in the go. league they're from. And we're actually, we were having a, a general conversation about who's the most hated player in the NBA by other players. And mm. I said, there's nobody more hated than Rudy Gobert. I Because I was trying to figure out, why does everyone hate Rudy Gobert so much? Like, all the players. I'm not talking about fans. I'm not talking about media. I'm not talking yeah, about... Yeah. I'm talking about players seem to hate Rudy Gobert. They can't stand him. And so the source is like, he's up there, but he I wouldn't say he's number one. And I said, Really? And I started naming him. Draymond. I all these guys, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. And the source said, there's another guy. And I said, Is it Trey Young? And the source said, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> People. Don't like Trey Young. Players, again, I'm not talking about none of us, right? Or coaches. Right. or Players don't seem to like it. And this is the part where I'm spoiled because my basketball growing up basically happened with Steve Nash as a point guard for the yep. Suns. Yep, yep. Point guard is the only position where I think they got to kind of like you. They want to have to want to play for you. It's the reason yep. I think Chris, yep. it's the difference between Chris Paul being perhaps the greatest point guard of all time and Chris Paul playing for one, two, three, four, however many teams he's played for, right? It, it, it's It's that right there. It's because they respect Chris Paul. They don't like him because his bedside manner is coarse and, and he burns people out and he's very intense. And I think for Trey, Trey is not as good as Chris Paul so take away like the all-time talent. He's right. a great player, but he's not Chris Paul level. Right. And then also add to it like, oh, also you're not likable. You, you, they got to like you in some way um, because they have to want to play for you as, as the on-floor general. I think a, a big man, a big man can be an asshole. And everyone just, that's just him. Point guard, they're to have to like you. And from what I understand... He's a hard guy to work with. Yeah. If you're going to build around Trey Young, I think you need another player who is better than him. Clearly mm-hmm. better than him. Like, like mm-hmm. better than him in the way that, it, like, Carl Anthony Towns looked at Anthony Edwards like, oh, okay. <laughs> However I felt over the first seven years of my career, six years, no, no, this guy's got it. I'm You know what, me over here? Okay, I'm good. I'll be number two. It's got to right. be that. It's got to be clearly like, oh, it's his team. This ain't my team. I, I'm just here to be the great number two guy, right? Will that happen in Atlanta? I don't know because so much of that franchise's identity was centered around this guy, mm-hmm. and this is the and this is the first guy to to inject. You know, you talk about. I, I know you talk about people in Atlanta. Who stopped rooting for the Hawks in '94 when they traded Dominique? When they had the best record in the league, by the way, because Pete Babcock mm-hmm. had a theory that you always trade high, and so that was a best record in the league. This guy's killing it. This is high. Let me go get Danny Manning, and Danny Manning uh, will will we'll get under the cap and all this other. Shit. It was this. It was a galaxy brain type of move. Yeah, I know people in Atlanta who like gave up on the Hawks and. Trey Young was one of those people who brought people back, even though this team had won 60 games and had the best regular season record in the league and went to the conference finals and all those things. Like, that team, those teams did not capture the imagination of Atlanta. Right. Like, yeah, it didn't connect like Trey Young did. Which, to be fair, is kind of the situation the Timberwolves were in. And I thought, oh, they're never going to get out of this because they built everything around Carl Anthony Towns, and this is our best player Mm -hmm. and the most exciting player since KG, and and I thought he couldn't change because he's like I'm I run this thing over here. Why why right. would I ever change? And then Anthony Edwards comes along and it's like everyone's like, oh, that's what a franchise player looks like. I, I just take that step over, and it's like so maybe they can acquire someone who can make him feel that way, or maybe you move him and you get a bunch of stuff for him and, and you start from there. I mean it's funny because if I'm a team,
0: I wonder if I'd want Dejounte Murray first. You know what I mean? Oh, Just because it's without question, a, you know I mean? a, a more a lower maintenance ball player. Yeah, he's got long money, but he doesn't come with all the things that Trey Young comes with. And you're—I mean, I'm, it's funny that you mentioned because I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were like, "Man, if I'm playing for a point guard that doesn't play defense, but that point guard connects with me, yeah, I'll take that matchup for him because I—I know what it—I yeah. know what it means." I know what it means for everybody. There's a connectivity there. There's something there. And that's why you see all, all of Magic Johnson's teammates love him. Mm-hmm. All of Isaiah Thomas's teammates. As complicated mm-hmm. as Zeke as people think Zeke is, all of those dudes love him. Okay. All those dudes love him because they they play for him. Steve Nash, who you know really, really well. Yeah. Same thing. Chris Paul. Even though Chris Paul is going to a bunch of different places and kind of, you know, maybe wears out his welcome, he's the guy that's organizing the team dinners on the road. He's the guy that's that's getting guys together and all those type of things that's making sure that those players feel something from him. Now, he may be exhausting Mm -hmm. at the same time, but there's something there that enables those teams to get better while he's there. Because every team that he's played on has gotten better up until basically going to Golden State because he's not running the show
1: there. For sure. It, it's always, his first year is always his best year because mm-hmm. he gets somewhere and there's two things. One is w- what you're describing with that leadership of team dinners and we're doing workouts on off-season workouts. We're all going to meet in Santa Monica. We're going to and like, and having someone who has a clear vision and a strong voice, particularly when you haven't had that before, mm-hmm. is refreshing. Like, this is what we've been lo- dying for structure, leadership, da-da-da. And then also on the court, because he's so great at playing basketball and making other people better. It's like, this is the best I've never... He'll say, hey, by the way, if you wait just one second before you roll, this thing is going to open up for you. I'm like, oh my God, he's making me see the game in ways I haven't seen before. But the constant nagging and the flipping out over small mistakes, not knowing... When they just let that slide, it wouldn't be like, no, no, this is important. Treating everything like it's DEFCON 1, it right. burns people out. But to your point, all of those guys, Steve Nash, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson. By the way, we're, it's, we're not saying you have to be nice guys. Right? You just have to know how to connect with people and know when to be nice and when to be not so nice in order to get the desired effect. They have to like you on some level. And I don't know if Trey's doing either of those things, either the off the court things of leadership and structure and checking in on people and all that stuff, which it's not fun. No one wants to do that. When people think of leadership, they think of people say, "Get to the corner, you come up here." That's, uh, that's some of it, but other stuff is like, "Hey, big guy, how you feeling?" It's the people stuff. It's the people. Like, it's, it's, the pe- all that it's
0: the people stuff.
1: It's making it's somebody people, feel warm man. and fuzzy. Yeah, man. And not all of us, are, I'm not, I, for one, I'm not a good leader. I'm not good at that. I don't like doing it in any setting. But <clears throat> that doesn't mean it's not needed. And particularly for that position, you have to have some of that. And that's the thing. Right. Now, as far as DeJounte versus Trey, DeJounte is bigger. He's a better defensive player. His shot selection is not as erratic. His money is almost... of that of trades. You say it's long. I'd rather be paying him 25, 26, 27 than playing 45, 46, 47. Like that's a a massive gap. So if you say I have an opportunity to have DeJounte Murray, it's not just, hey, do I like him more as a player? It's also, oh, I have 20 million more dollars to play around with in a sport where every dollar spent here means a dollar that I can't spend over there. And 20 extra million dollars is a lot of money. I can make that happen. I can get two, maybe even three good, really good players off of that.
0: Yep. And here's, and it's funny. We got two more teams to hit. We got 10 more minutes left for less than 10 minutes. Cleveland and Golden State. And Cleveland, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think of Cleveland being a a sexy team and they're not necessarily, but they're an intriguing team because there's Garland's out for four weeks with a broken jaw. Evan Mm -hmm. Mobley's out for, I think, six to eight with with Mm -hmm. knee surgery. They haven't been as good this season relative to last season when, you know, won fifty games but got knocked down the first round, and everything else. That leaves everything on Donovan Mitchell. And mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell has this year and next year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. You hear the rumblings all the time.
1: What should Cleveland be trying to do right now? I mean, I look, here's the thing. I I, I would say Cleveland is one of the disappointments of this season, given how they uh, finished two years ago, strong, mm-hmm. but just barely missing the playoffs because of injuries. They lost in the play Then last year, you're in the top four. You had home court advantage. You lost to the Knicks. But it's like, okay, this is our first time going to the playoffs. We made the big move. We got Donovan Mitchell, et cetera, et cetera. And then this year, you come back, and yeah, those guys have gotten hurt, but that's all fairly recently. Right. So w- for the first twenty games or so, you were basically a five hundred team. You're basically breaking even on points allowed and points scored, even though you made I thought two big acquisitions in George Niang and and uh, Max Truce to add yep. to the shooting that was an issue for you. So <clears throat> there's a couple of things for me that I look at and I wonder. One is Garland and Mitchell, even last year, never really felt like synergy. It felt like two good players, and sometimes I take over, sometimes he takes over. But I'm not getting that feeling of these guys are elevating each other in their play. Number two, number two is Mobley and Jared Allen. Should be the center points of an elite defense. And the defense is good, right? But is it to the point where it's making up for the offensive clunkiness of having two traditional bigs. I don't feel like it is. I feel like their defense is good, but not elite. Their offense struggles because the the court is kind of spaced. So I don't know if this is a case of mismatched personalities, mismatched talents, or just maybe there was a a feeling of we've arrived that happened last year that, That's brought them back down to earth in the same way that happened to Atlanta Hawks two years ago, the same way that happened to the Dallas Mavericks a year ago. Well, for me,
0: I mean, I felt like this team should have been turning over to Evan Mobley. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like this team should have been turning towards being an Evan Mobley operation. Like, I don't say this lightly. When I say that, I feel like, in some way, if you watch Tim Duncan, his second and third year mm-hmm. at Wake Forest, you would see what Evan Mobley looks like now, considering Evan Mobley spent one year in college and Tim Duncan spent four. This would be theoretically Evan Mobley's senior year in college. Mm-hmm. But he was high in the defensive player of the year voting last year. Purports to be just as good this year, assuming you know his help and everything else cooperates. Mm-hmm. But I felt like for that team to work, he was going to have to be the centerpiece and everybody else
1: was going to have to be supporting parts. That hasn't happened for, You know what? You know what it's like? Him. You know what it's like? It's like what's happened in Houston where I don't know if Ime Udoka coming in said Elper Shangun is our best player. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement with Jalen Green and, and, and Jabari Smith and all these guys yeah. coming in. But really quickly, they realized, oh, shit. that's our best player right there. We're going to play through him. And playing through him, you see how everything else not only gets better, they're a better team, but everything gets easier for everybody. Yeah. And they're all buying in. Now, it was easy for him to do that coming in because team was trash last year, right? Right, right. Can J.B. Bickerstaff convince all-star players, hey, by the way, I know you guys have great scrapbooks, I'm telling you, we have to reimagine how we do all this stuff and it's got to go through him. That's a tough sell job, man. That, that ain't an easy sell job, but I think you might be right.
0: Yeah. I, and I, I don't know if he has the dominant personality to walk into the locker room and say, hey, hey, we're running everything here. You know what I mean? Like we, we, you're, you're running everything on this part of the block and I'm getting the ball. Like that takes a certain personality and a certain aggressiveness and a certain and comfort level in the locker room and in your own voice, I'm not sure that he's necessarily there, but I think his game is there. Last thing, I mean, Golden State, mm. Draymond Green aside, they are 200 million dollars deep into the tax. They do not look like we can say whatever we want to say. Steve Kerr is on the last year of his deal. Clay Thompson wants wants a deal and has and is giving up, you know, career low numbers. Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul, like it doesn't look like anything has worked for them. I can't think of like that Jordan Poole punch by Draymond Green that had sent J- Jordan Poole going in a different direction, that has sent Golden State going a different direction. Nothing has gone well from that moment for that franchise, and now they're facing a huge luxury tax bill. Do you see them riding this out and waiting to the offseason to make changes, or do you see? them trying to make changes midstream to figure this
1: out. I I think the big thing is what are the changes that are available to them to make? What, what are the the design? I mean, they've kind of exhausted every last bit of draft capital slash assets to sell on. The reality is when they won the championship, and they had an ability perhaps to go out and get a Pascal Siakam or something like take those young guys who performed admirably in that playoff run, turn them into another dominant all-star type player with a personality that would fit in perfectly with what they're trying to do there. That was the opportunity. Instead, they try to play cute. They said, we don't need our vets. Goodbye, Gary Payton. Goodbye, Bielitza, Goodbye, Otto Porter. Hello, Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman. You guys are going to step in and just be ready to contribute now. Uh, based on, and Jordan Poole, based on what happened. And last year we saw those guys were not ready <clears throat> and we saw further erosion of their trade value. And then, you know, obviously paying Pay uh, Poole and all, it just, it was a bad, it was a mismanaged situation, I would say. they They did yeah. not plan appropriately. And so now you're asking me, what can they do? And other than get healthy, I mean, what mean, what are the guys that people would take a flyer on? Kuminga, Moody, yes, what, Chris Paul because his his contract is uh, only guaranteed. guaranteed for well, it's not guaranteed at all next year, right? It's tough. It it, it, it it's a tough sell if you are trying to get talent, like push us forward, talent in there. I think they almost have to write it out last dance style and then at the end of the year everyone's gonna have to reevaluate where they are and you know w- what we're gonna do but i mean I, like this is a team that last year when they're starting five was healthy had the best net rating in the entire league but andrew wiggins doesn't seem to be like himself anymore clay thompson doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be like himself mm-hmm. anymore draymond mm-hmm. green can't stay on the floor like the only mm-hmm. guys you can really count on are Steph and kevon looney uh, uh, on that roster, like right. night in, night out. And even Kavon
0: Looney man. has been played off the floor a few times. Yep. Like, like it's, it's funny. Like, this is how, this is how we, we have a very skewed view of how dynasties and championship teams are supposed to come to an end because LeBron James, whenever he got sick of a championship team, he went off and went somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? Right. And created his own championship team somewhere else. He did it three whole times, y'all. So we have a skewed view of what it's supposed to look like. This is what it looks like everywhere. Except mm-hmm. Michael Jordan retired. Like Larry Bird I mean, and that. Maddie Johnson retired.
1: They all came crashing down, man. They like, all, it, it looks ugly. Like that, the, 98 pain, Bulls won painful. the 98 Bulls won the title. And, but that documentary is all about how... This shit was going down in flames one way or another. Yeah. Despite it all. Like, there was no universe. Think about this. they won three titles in a row, six out of the last eight. And there was no universe where it's like, all right, let's do it one more year. Everybody was done. Scotty's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm out of here. Phil was done. Jerry Krause was done. Michael's like, I don't want to be here for, all like new coaches and new people. It was over, dude. It, like, that was, it was going to be what it was going to be. And then they didn't win. Or lose. And that's what I think made that 98 Bulls season so special, right? The way it ended. What, you know, them... It was also also a miracle
0: that they won, I mean. Like, when you look at it in hindsight, it was a near miracle that with all the things that they had swirling around them, that they won. We didn't think of it at the time. Like, we knew it was, you know, the last dance and everything else. But when you look at the intricacies of of everything that had happened at that time, it was remarkable that Michael Jordan had dragged that team to the finish line because Dennis Rodman was done after that. Yeah. Scottie Pippen was done being a all-star player after that. None of those other guys really became to make an impact anywhere else at that point. Jerry Krause saved Michael Jordan from having a one on his finals record, except Michael Jordan ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, But those were, but to the point, championship teams, that are no longer championship teams can give you a night on a night. They can sound and look and play as good as anybody, but they cannot sustain it for weeks and months, let alone playoff rounds. And I think this is the natural course of order. What's going to happen with the Golden State Warriors? Now, granted, they've had a really tough schedule. They're going to play a really light. They're going to play really light, so maybe they can get things together. But as far as them being a team that can go to the finals, I can't see that happening anymore.
1: Having said that, if I'm them, I ride it out till the end. You have they're to gonna have to put. They're going to put us in the ground. I'm not. That's the one thing. I think <clears throat> if Jerry Reinsdorf or Jerry Krause had it over again, look, if they're going to leave, let them leave. But don't don't break this thing up. Don't be the reason everybody's leaving. Right. And so I think the same thing here. It's like, it might end up to ter- Clay might say to hell with this. I'm gone, right? I'm I'm going somewhere else. Staff might say, you know what? I do want to play for the Charlotte Hornets. Trade me. Like that might those things might happen. But and maybe if you're proactive, you could get more quote unquote asset value than instead of waiting for them to. to but I think when you're we had the history that they've had and the success that they've had, you owe it to just be like, you know what? I'll take that risk. Push it as far as it goes. When the wheels yep. fall off and everything, then it's like, all right, well we got the, the absolute most out of this experience that we could have. It's Look,
0: it's going to be painful either way. That is, Ladies and gentlemen, is the great Amin El Hassan. If you like hearing his voice, don't forget, he's part of the uh, Dan Levitard and Friends Network. He's also on SiriusXM, NBA Radio. Well, sometimes they will put us on a show together and we actually burn the studio down because we talk about things much less uh, civilized than we do on this here podcast. That is all we have for you today. Thanks to producer John and everybody on the team that works Really hard on making this podcast happen. I will be back for another episode of The Good Word on Wednesday. Until then, everybody be safe.
1: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her.